Mamas. It's Melissa Legacy, creator of the Mommy Time Podcast. I'm a mom of two girls, entrepreneur, and virtual assistant. I'm really excited to interview other mamas and women and share with you everything I'm learning in life, business, and motherhood. Okay, I'm so excited to have Tegan here with me. She is a financial advisor. Um, can you tell me a little, can you tell everybody a little bit more about yourself and then we're going to dive right in. Uh, yes. Thank you for having me today, Melissa. Um, yeah, so I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba here in Canada. I'm uh, turning 24, got a late birthday, so slowly getting there. Uh, but yeah, I'm a local financial advisor here in the city and I can help people throughout Canada. So yeah, I'll just be sharing some little fun facts. I guess we have some questions from people and yeah, hopefully I can help answer those. Okay. Yeah. So we, uh, I asked on my story on Insta and I got some questions. So one of the questions was, so basically, um, we're going to be, this one was like about savings. So somebody had asked recommended amount of money to put away per paycheck to grow a savings account and tips on saving for a down payment while paying rent and other bills slash expenses. Okay. Awesome. So basically how do you properly save money? Right. Yeah when you have a bunch of things going on. Um, so, I mean, my first tip would really just be to take a step back and, and break everything down, right? Figure out what your expenses are, figure out what your income is and see what do you need to survive? What do you need to pay the bills and see, okay, what do I have left over? And obviously you want to budget for fun things. Like if you want to go out or order in some food, whatever that is, but just figure out what your budget is and then what you have left and what are you comfortable putting away? Right. But if you're saving for a specific amount, it's also important to know what that amount is and then break that down. Right. How much money do I need to save per week or per month for how long to actually reach that goal? And then taking the steps and just being, you know, do it right. Don't skip a month. Don't do this. Make it a to do list or you can set up automatic deposits. Also, if that's easier for you, then you don't really have to think about it. But uh, yeah, just break it down, figure out what you need to do and then stick to your plan. That's the big thing. So if somebody was like buying a house and they got pre-approved so they know what they can spend and then they can see what kind of down payment they would need if they want to do like the first time home buyers or if they're going to be doing 10, 15, whatever percent they want down, you have the amount you know and then break it down with a timeline. Like if you want to buy a house in two years, then you know the specific amount every single month you need to be putting into savings to make sure that you have that amount at the end goal in time to buy your house. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Know what number you're aiming for. Otherwise, you're basically just shooting blindly and you don't know if you're going to hit it and if you'll hit it at any point. So yeah, yeah definitely have a goal. Okay, awesome. Um, and then is crypto smart to invest in? If so, which ones? Somebody asked. Yeah, so I can't give exact uh, crypto <laughs> advice. Um, I'm not licensed or credited. I don't even think they have uh, certifications for that really. But I mean, if you're going to be investing in something like crypto or a specific stock, um, you just you have to be okay if you lose that money, right? Especially if you're new at it, you're not a seasoned investor or whatever it is, um, because you never really know what's going to happen, right? It could go up, it could go down, and you have to be okay losing that money if that's what happens. Um, so, you know, I do have clients come to me who want to invest their money, and that's great. Um, so we'll set up, you know, investments in funds right in a tfsa or rsp whatever it is um, and then if they do want to do stocks or crypto you know i say okay you can do that no problem you know but 
just think of it as your play money, right? Have a safe, secure investment in place that can actually, you know, get you to your goals and then use your extra money if you want to to play around and see if you can get a little extra cash on the side. Okay, awesome. And then somebody else had said, what's the best savings account to have? So I guess just kind of explaining like the different kinds of savings accounts people can get. Yeah, so like TFSAs, RSPs and all that. Um, So when it comes to saving for retirement, a lot of people think RRSP, which is your registered retirement savings account. So it sounds like that's what you know you should be doing, um, but what a lot of people don't realize is a tax-free savings account can be used for the exact same thing. Um, so I mean, there's there's positives to both, um, but you just kind of have to think about like it's going to be different for each person, right? Like if somebody, if you're in a lower tax bracket, using a TFSA while you're young is probably a good idea because. If you're already in the lowest tax bracket, there's a good chance you're not going to be in that same spot when you retire, whereas there are tax benefits to using an RRSP to help people who are in a high tax bracket bring their tax rate down. Um, So it depends on the person, but I mean, TFSA, if you think about it in the long run, you're going to be paying less tax on your money when you take it out because you're not taxed when you take it out. Whereas an RRSP, when you take money out in the long run, say you have a million dollars, well, you're going to get taxed on all of that. Right. So just really figuring out a game plan with your specific advisor and based on your needs, what's the best plan for you. Right. And going forward and always you can always adjust that. Right. If you have making more income at another point um, for RESPs, so registered education for uh, children saving for their education. Um, for that, it's a great tool because you do get government grants and benefits if you're putting enough money into it. Um, the only thing that we're kind of running into the issue with now is some kids don't want to go to school, right? Or some kids want to take education that's not necessarily recognized by the government, right? We see people doing like lash technician or (laughs) eyebrow microblading, whatever it is, right? It's not always recognized. Um, so when with that, if you are claiming on an RESP, it needs to be registered. So There are some other tools that you can use to help save money and then not only use that for school, but then they can also use it for a house if they want, or they can use it to start a business or if they want to travel, right? So there are other flexible options. Um, I won't get into it, but there's like, you can use insurance and just a bunch of different tools to, you know, save for your child's future. That's not only dedicated to their education, but for everything. Okay, perfect. Um, and then what is good and bad debt? Um, so good and bad debt. So, I mean, if you think about it, if you're buying clothes, for example, right on your credit card, now you owe money to your credit card, but that clothing item, you're not going to resell it really for the same value, right? You can't really get that money back. Whereas good debt, you could think about maybe buying a house. Right. So when you're buying a house, you could have hundreds of thousand dollars in debt, but that house is still going to be worth something. Right. So you can resell it usually more than what you paid for it. So just really figuring out, am I buying something that's going to hold value or is this something that's just going to cost me money? And I mean, when you first buy a house, it is a bit of a liability because if you don't make your payments, the banks will take it back. But at some point, it could become an asset where you can either rent it out to make profits or you could sell it one day and make money, whatever it is. So just really analyzing, is it something that's going to put you in the hole or something that's going to help you up? 
Yeah. That's kind of a good way to distinguish it. <laughs> that was the easiest way to explain it. <laughs> um, and then what is the smartest thing to invest in long-term for retirement? So for investing long-term for retirement, obviously it's good to keep an eye on the market because things are going to change, right? For example, COVID happened, everything crashed. So the trick was figuring out what's going to do well, right? Maybe something like technology. So throughout our lives, things are going to change like that. You know, we're going to go through phases of things and just being able to adjust because something that you invest in at one point, it might be totally wrong to be invested in 10 years from now. Yeah. Right? So just making sure that you have an advisor that you meet with every year or twice a year to revisit things, make sure everything's on the right path, make sure you have, you know, if your goals are changing, um, but I mean, having something like a TFSA or RSP to invest in where it can actually grow and not just sit there, that's going to be great. And then, I mean, there's other options you can do. You can invest into a business that might pay you, you know, at retirement, you can buy properties and rent them out, right? Eventually those houses should be paid off and you'll be getting even more money from it, right? So there's definitely different options and there's lots to explore, but it's always good to have a good foundation if you're say investing in, you know, uh, TFSA or something like that as a backup. Yeah. Okay. And then just with like social media too, um, I feel like everywhere on TikTok and Instagram, I'm always seeing people like posting about investment tips and like finance tips. So <laughs> what should people be looking out for on the internet to make sure that the sources that they're using are actually credible and not just anybody and their dog posting stuff that <laughs> they think is true and right? Yeah, I mean... It's hard because you get stuck in TikTok and if something sounds nice, you're going to believe it because you're going to want to believe what sounds good. Um, but you could even, you know, if you have your own financial advisor, like an accredited advisor who has, who's registered, right, who pays for their license every year to give advice, you can always bring that information back to your advisor and say, is this legit? Is this real? And maybe it is, maybe it isn't, or maybe it's half right and they can help break it down for you. Um, but just making sure you have somebody in your corner that you can trust who is accredited and who can validate or devalidate information and make sure that whatever you're doing is going to actually get you to your goals. And there's not going to be any road bumps because, oh, they told me this, but I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Right. So just making sure that you have somebody who can um, basically decode everything and make sure that it's, you know, what's right is right and what's wrong is, you know, about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then what is the rule of 72? Rule of 72, yeah. So if you follow anybody on social media who talks about finances, a common thing you see is the rule of 72. So the rule of 72, it was named one of the greatest wonders of the world by Albert Einstein himself. So it's pretty cool. Um, but basically the rule of 72 just tells you how long it takes for your money to double. Okay, so... It's a good way for you to know if your rate of return on your investments is good or bad. So how it works, you just take 72 divided by your rate of return. So if you have a 1% rate of return, it'll take 72 years for your money to double. Or if you have a 10%, it'll take 7.2 years. So it's, it's there to help you see like, how good is my rate of return? Am I actually getting anywhere? How long is it gonna take for my money to grow? And it's kind of a sad story for myself. Um, before I got into finance, my sister worked at a bank. 
And so she, I saw in her TFSA, she was making money. And I was like, wow, I want to make money with my money just sitting there too. So she brought me into an appointment with an advisor. They got me set up with the TFSA and I got the employee rate. So I was like, heck yeah, you know, I'm going to get ahead of everybody else. I'm going to make more money. I got the in. And can you guess what my rate of return was? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Tell me. So it was a one, one percent rate of return. So I would be dead before my money even doubled. But because I didn't know anything about money at that time, I just thought the fact that I was making money on my money was great. And I thought I was going to get ahead and I was going to do this. And just to think how many people will go and get something like that and not revisit it and not know the rules of me too. They won't know what's good or what's bad. They'll just know I'm making money. I'll retire one day, blah, blah, blah. But they don't know what a good rate of return is and how big of an impact it can make. So I guess it's also food for thought too. Um, you know, just because you work for a company doesn't necessarily mean you know everything or they are teaching you everything. Because sometimes if you're, you know, that's something you run into. If you work for one company, well, you're only going to sell one company's products, right? And so they're not going to teach you about other things or you're not going to recommend your clients to go see your competition. So it's, it's kind of sad you know, like people who work at for like one company, they're not bad people by all means. They're just trying to make a living. But sometimes it's the consumer that gets the short end of the stick because they just go there thinking, you know, my family's gone to this bank. Now I go to this bank. I've been there for years. I love them. They're great. And the advisor could be a great person and do the best that they can to help you. But it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not better options out there. Okay. Good to know. Um, and mm -hmm. okay. So talking about insurance, why is insurance important? Um, so, well, insurance is important for, you know, yourself, your family, anybody who's dependent on you. Um, so there's different kinds. I mean, there's disability insurance, like a lot of people know about, right? If you get, if you get hurt and you can't work, you still get paid, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, a lot of employers will offer disability coverage too, which is great. What a lot of people don't realize is they can actually get separate coverage outside of that as like a top-up coverage because sometimes, you know, a portion of their income isn't enough to pay their bills. So there are other options to top that up. Um, there's insurance that not a lot of people know about. It's called critical illness insurance. So that's if you get a critical illness, right? So like heart attack, stroke, cancer, if you need an organ transplant, if you go blind, severe burns, there's also specific uh, juvenile illnesses like for kids that you can get. So basically how it works is if you, you know, have a critical illness like this, survive the waiting period, of course, um, you'll get paid a lump sum, whether that's $50,000, $100,000, $200,000, whatever it is that you've been paying for. Uh, but it's there to help you and your family, right? Whether it is you need, you know, life-saving treatment in another country that costs money right even Canadian healthcare not everything's free um, if you need to take time off work to get better right if you're terminally ill and you want to live your life before you die just kind of stuff like that so it's it's crazy that they don't really advertise that coverage because I feel like with <laughs> all the technology and radiation and everything that we're around these days I feel like we're almost all likely to have a critical illness at some point in our lives um, so it's really important to be prepared. I'm sure most of us know somebody who's suffered from a critical illness. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, so that would be there, you know, to protect yourself, but also your family, right? If you can't work, 
how are you going to pay the bills for your kids and your partner, right? Um, and that's kind of tied to life insurance too. You know, say you have a mom and a dad and they have kids. Well, if one of the parent contributes $50,000 a year, well, what if they pass away and the kid's only like eight? That's another $500,000 of income throughout 10 years that that family's going to lose out on, right? To pay for the house, to pay for schooling, to pay for school trips, extracurriculars, whatever it is, right? So sometimes we think, you know, I've coverage through work, I have life insurance, but a lot of times what you get through work isn't actually enough. And that's why you see these GoFundMe accounts and this and that. So like I said, it's good to be prepared and seek your options and just really figure out based on your plan because the amount you need for life insurance isn't the same for everybody. It really depends on what do you need to cover? Who do you have to take care of? Or are you just by yourself? Maybe you don't need life insurance because you have no dependents, but just figuring that out, right? And having a plan that matches your life. Yeah, especially for moms, you got to protect your kids, moms and dads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, and then something else I was going to ask you. So with investing, if somebody is choosing to invest like on their own and like start on their own, should they be putting like all their eggs in a basket or do you recommend like diversifying? Um, always diversifying. Uh, the nice thing about investing in a fund, so if you don't know what a fund is, um, you compare that to a stock. So a stock, say a Tesla stock, right? So you're investing in Tesla. If that stock goes down, then you're kind of screwed because your eggs all in one basket, right? Whereas a fund can be a collection of stock of stocks. It could be like 50 stocks, 20 stocks, whatever it is. And then with a fund, it's managed by a professional money manager who watches it for you. They reallocate the percentage of each stock in the fund. And with that, if you know if your Tesla stock drops, well, maybe your Amazon's doing good and your Google's doing good. So it's it's not as much of a hit to your finances, right? So it's always good to diversify. Um, it's also good to assess your risk tolerance, right? Because if you're, you know, if you have a short time horizon, whereas you want to take the money out in a year, you may not be able to invest in as risky of stocks, right? Because you won't be able to make that up in the next coming years. Something happens. Whereas if you have, sorry? Like if something happens, you don't have time to make up for it. Yeah, like say with like COVID, everything dropped like 40%. But if you waited, you could have made 40% on your money, right? But it just depends on how much time you have to make up for those things. So if you have a long time for retirement, you might be able to do a bit riskier for your retirement because you're not planning to take out that money right away. So maybe having, you know, a TFSA for your for your house fund and have a more conservative account and then another TFSA for your retirement money, right? Just kind of diversifying and you can have different accounts for different things and then have different risk levels and different things that you're invested in depending on it. Okay, good to know. Um, and then best tip for people who are just getting started. Uh, best tip. Well, obviously seek some professional advice, right? It, it's unfortunate they don't teach finances in school. Um, I personally think there should be a adult crash course, you know, how to adult. Yeah, like there should be a whole course because there's a lot of things that we don't know. And then we kind of just go blindly. And it's, it's kind of, it's pretty unfortunate, you know, you think about, I don't know if you say, for example, this is kind of sexist, but people say, you know, if you're a woman and you go into a mechanic store, you're more likely to pay more than a dude. Yeah. Right. So 
same things kind of happen with with money, right? Because we don't get taught what's right, what's wrong. We don't know the rule of 72. We don't know what's good for us, what's not. So a lot of times we go in blindly and we just trust the expert. So it's also making sure that this, maybe see somebody who your friends have seen or a family member, like see somebody that you can trust and don't just go to a random stranger. I mean, sometimes it takes seeing a stranger to, yeah. to meet somebody. Um, but I don't know, maybe if they have a social media, check out like, does this person just sell or do they educate, right? Are there things I can learn from them? Do I maybe know mutual people who know that person, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, just seeking financial advice, look at your options. Don't just go one place and give them all your money, right? Take some time to figure out who you like too, like who's somebody that you're going to enjoy talking to? Are you going to dread calling them? Oh, I have a question about my money, but I don't want to talk to this person. Yeah. Or do you like talking to them? So yeah, my advice if you're starting out is just take a little bit of time to educate yourself um, and try different people, see what's available to you and then make a decision. Okay. Amazing. And then where can people find you if they have questions that they want to ask, like more personal questions with like specifically their income, their mm -hmm. to get like a better specific plan for them. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. So like more spec specific to them <laughs> so they can actually know what the heck do I actually do? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can largely find me on Instagram. That's where I do a lot of my marketing for myself and my business and my services. Um, so it'll be, it's my full name at Tegan McGinnity. So I'll spell it because nobody can ever spell it right, especially Tegan. Um, so it's T-E-G-A-N-M-C-G-I-N-I-T-Y. Hey, amazing. Thank you. <laughs> no problem at all. Thank you so much for listening to the Mommy Time podcast. I would love if you could rate and leave a review and subscribe. You guys are seriously what makes this possible. Also, head over to Instagram and follow the podcast account for new episode updates at Mommy Time Podcast. And you can also follow the Melissa Legacy for my life and business updates. See you guys next time.